Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in today. We are going to have a fantastic and fun conversation about clear and concise communication and how that translates to sales. So that's an interesting topic that we're going to start with, the idea of communication leading to sales, but we're also gonna be covering delegation, referrals. This is gonna be kind of a wide-ranging conversation and I'm really looking forward to it. To guide us through it, we have on the line Maddie Martin. She is the head of growth and education at Smith.ai. She has spent the last decade growing tech startups from New York to California and has expertise in digital marketing, small business communications, lead conversion, email marketing, SEO, and event marketing. Wow. Okay. Maddie Martin, come on in. The weather's fine. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we dive in, and we have a lot to we're going to go through here. I know this is going to go in about a minute. We, uh, what we do here in Business Creators Radio is we like to take a quick step back. Uh, imagine by now we have some people who are leaning in, they're opening separate browser tabs, they're binging the Yahoo out of the Googles, looking for Maddie, that's spelled M-A-D-D-Y, Martin, spelled M-A-R-T-I-N, and the website, that's smith.ai, smith.ai. You're welcome, guys, for all that. Uh, my cat is so excited, she's in the background meowing. Actually, I think she wants to go on the balcony, but she's not allowed. What we're going to do here while I try and calm my cat down, yeah, while I try and calm my cat down, because Princess Alessandra is having a regal fit here, is we're going to uh, take a step back and we're going to ask you, Maddie, if you could tell us a bit more about your journey and what's brought you to where you are, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and making a difference for your community, market, and audience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's funny because a lot of reluctant business creators come out of people who are experts in their field, right? I mean, oftentimes it comes from expertise and then you sort of realize there's a business there. So I've worked for uh, Food 52, which was an online food community. It created a lot of home chefs that got elevated presences online at a time when gourmet and food network and a lot of things were sort of like dying like the food media that was traditionally the infrastructure um and then a lot of like food bloggers were taking over and actually making legitimate money from that um online presence and thought leadership and recipe development um i went from there leading content syndication and their community uh their their basically their affiliate program uh we launched an online shop at the time really elevating the home cook and strengthening them to your mechanic, which was another core home service for car repair. And again, a, a lot of mechanics were, you know, on Craigslist at the time, which I don't even know if Craigslist is really a thing anymore now with Facebook Marketplace, but 
at the time, that's where all the independent mechanics were. And they were totally unregulated. They didn't have a warranty for their work. You know, who knew what you were going to get? There were no reviews. So we brought them all together, vetted the heck out of them, only allowed the good ones on our platform. And I ran growth for, for that company based in Silicon Valley, uh, where all of these um, really top-notch car mechanics would come to your home or office to fix your car. So creating these sort of like micro businesses under almost an Uber model there um, for really great car repair and maintenance, as well as building out like the biggest car repair site online now, I think. Um, so there were, you know, 5,000 articles and maybe 20,000 pre-answered Q&A that we knew that people had about their cars. Um, building out really beautiful, helpful content. And what we did is we took that really macro approach to bring it down to the local level to get people the help that they needed. And what we're doing now with Smith AI is to bring that help to the small business owner, to the sort of expert in their domain with excellent receptionist services and website chat so that we can respond on their behalf, again, stewarding their brand and streaming leads into their business while they go ahead and operate and deliver that service that they're so good at. Yeah, that's fantastic. So we're going to cover a variety of topics here. We're going to get into uh, intake and referrals and delegation, among other things. Let's start with delegation. Uh, I know that's kind of the back end here of our conversation, but I know that the work you do with Smith AI, which uh, deals with, among other things, receptionist services for things like live calls and website chat, uh, wait. What are your current thoughts on the state of delegation in our industries today? So, you know, what I've experienced when I travel around the country is that a lot of small business owners are not comfortable with delegation more than not capable, right? So what ends up happening is that you have sort of this comfort zone that you normally operate in. And if you've created a small business, a lot of that was out of having control over the way that you work, the methods of your work, you know, how and, and why and where and so on and who you work for, right? You want control and that's why you have your own business. Now, what ends up happening is your business grows to the point where if you try and have control over it yourself, you'll never be able to achieve all the things that your business demands of you. So you have to delegate. And then there's sort of this like mental inflection point where you need to, again, get comfortable with handing things off and releasing a little bit of control. So oftentimes what we see is a mask around, it's a, it's a cost issue when it's oftentimes a comfort issue. And that's one of the things that I get the most pushback about. But frankly, when people start to delegate, I think that the doors and the eyes open, right? there's a period where you're maybe a little bit uncomfortable still, you're, you're poking at the, um, you know, the new system and you're saying, oh, I'm not so sure this is gonna work for me. You're scrutinizing everything. You know, did they handle the, the phone call as well as I could have? Um, you know, it's gonna be maybe 95% as good as you because you're the creator, right? But yeah. what's the opportunity cost? You know, if you're answering your phone and you're screening your own leads and you're answering every client who calls you, a number of things happen. One, your productivity takes a, a nosedive. And two, yeah. you set these crazy standards for your existing clients who come to think that you're going to be the one who answers the phone every time. And A, that's not a standard you can maintain if you're sincere about growing your business. And B, right. it's really like... Um, not a scalable model 
No, so I, well, how do you say to the person yeah. who's just referred by that client, oh yeah, like Matt, you know, Maddie's so responsive and it's like, oh no, they're going to give him my cell phone number because that's what I gave them at one point in time, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm ramping up to something here. I'm waiting for you to get done. Oh, go for it. Okay. All right. Uh, you're on quite a tear there. And I just was like nodding and knowing <laughs> agreement here. I have a very, let's start with the micro. I have a very, very strict policy. Uh, I do not give out my cellular number to anybody. Good. I do not. They cannot have it for any reason. It, I, don't, I don't care if you see me holding the smartphone when you ask me what's the number i'll tell you i don't have one. Oh, you don't have well you can have a business number that goes to your cell phone but exactly that's that's kind of that's, well that's kind of where i'm going exactly. here i have there's i have for that right there's yeah i i i have all yeah yeah my business has a line i have a toll-free number it has an extension with a yeah. locator and and to in response to anybody who says well that's not really the most customer friendly thing i say i make my parents call that number you're no better than my parents. Listen, and what do you get to do? You get to screen all your calls and you, yeah. can, have a, you can have a personal extension. You can have a work extension. You can see yeah. exactly that's calling into your cell phone. You can see when it's, when it's personal or when it's business, when it's your reception, yeah. when it's spam, which you're never going to have with yeah. us, right? I, yeah, I made, the mistake, I made the mistake a couple times of letting the cellular number get out before I changed it. So if anybody hears this, says, oh, I can still get them. No, you can't. I changed the number. Uh, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I would say, okay, this is only because I think you have a really cute dog and I want you to send me pictures of your dog and I'll send you pictures of my cat. You can have then, a business texting enabled. You don't even need to have like this. Exactly. Exactly. Let exactly. Send, let them send the dog photos to your business number. And if your exactly. business number is not text enabled, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. Texting you. I'm, get, I'm getting there. The point, the point being is I, I, and I said, and I said, I do not use this for business and, uh, what, what happened in one case, and this is what told me that I needed to be very strict about this with every human being on the face of the planet, is one of these people later became a client, and they thought, oh, well, I'll just text him. And I saw the text come in, and I ignored him. And then a, uh, a couple of days later, I said, where have you been? I, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I said, "Is my phone rang. Uh, any emails? I'm sorry if you've called my you called the number or sent me an email. I'm sorry I didn't get this. Well, I texted you. And I said that any, I said, there's no texting for business. So I did see your text and I deleted them. Next time, don't text me for business. I mean, that, that's the hard line. Next time, I had, that's the hard line I had to take. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're personally not going to be possibly able to handle your all your business texts. I mean, there's no yeah. way you could have a virtual receptionist on it who responds for you. And man, is that professional. Like, oh my gosh, your assistant is on your text, on your yeah. Facebook, on your email, on your phone. Bam, done, right? Right. Like, like, there's no reason to worry or have an interruption. Exactly. So I only bring this up. I don't want this to be the entire hour of <laughs> let's complain about people getting around our, our screens and stuff like that. But You're I bring this up because... your cell phone number from their yeah, phone. Yeah because, yeah, because I want to I tap into a frustration that some of our listeners have told me they okay. feel about uh, availability, accessibility, yes. and feelings that they 
have obligations and want to be the nice person and all this other Oh, stuff. doesn't that build resentment? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. See, see, and every so often I get people who helpfully say, you know, you really shouldn't make people dial a toll-free number and enter an extension. That's not very friendly. They have to go through two steps to get a hold of you. And I say, uh, that toll-free number with that extension is a locator that finds me anywhere I am able or willing to accept a call. And if I cannot take the call, then it immediately gets emailed as an MP3 file. The voicemail gets emailed yep. as an MP3 file mm -hmm. to both me and my assistant. So you're not only getting into something that makes me more accessible than the average bear, but you're also getting into a triage system. So uh, if it's such a hardship that somebody has to dial two, three pound and then say their name and hit pound again, I really feel bad for their expectations. I mean, uh, and let me add one other thing. And I cover this in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. Availability versus accessibility. Availability, I don't think is something we should strive for because what happens with availability is now you're expected to be on call 24 freaking seven. Uh, accessibility is when people know that they can, if you're working with them or they need to reach you, they can do so within a reasonable amount of time and it's simple to do. I've made this easier than most people do it. You go to schedulewithadam.com and you book the nearest mutual convenient time. Uh, you know, plugs right into my calendar and yours. I use uh, OneTub, which is the owner of Schedule Once to do it. I may change that in the future to some other system, but right now I like OneTub. And you don't even have to check with me to ask if it's okay for you to do it. Just go there, book a time, and in the field where it asks what you want to speak about, tell me what you want to speak about. Uh, I will be there on time without you having to have a preamble discussion with me. And that one case out of 200 where I might not want to have the call, I'm a big boy. I know how to cancel it. Listen, there are ways even to build in other comfort areas beyond that. Like schedule once, I'm glad you brought that up. They offer booking with approval. You can yeah. put a link to your calendar and they can pick three times and you're like, oh shoot, you know, it doesn't reflect my kid's soccer game at night, which is on my personal and not my work calendar. Then fine. You pick the time that's better for you out of the three they provided and then, you know, send off the invite when you've confirmed it. You know, you yeah. So charge for consultations, right? Like you could, if you're a professional, you don't have to open up your calendar so that anyone can book you for an hour and just talk your ear off and get free advice. Yeah. You can actually have payments included in there so that they have to have some skin in the game and that they can't cancel if they've never talked to you before without yeah. having a penalty. Yeah, to me, this is a form of online delegation. And I actually spend an entire section of a chapter in my book on the use of schedulers. Number one, number one, I mean, this is what I call, this is what I call technological delegation. So you don't need an assistant to manage your calls back and forth. Uh, because really, if you have a human gatekeeper in this day and age, and it's a company of less than 100 W-2 type employees, you're probably missing a boat somewhere along the line. With your scheduler, you don't have to have a long drawn out conversation about how you get on somebody's calendar, what days or whatever they're available. You just say, here's my link, put yourself in. Or what's your link, I'll put myself in. Very simple conversation. And some of the things we cover when it comes to delegating your scheduling to a human being, number one, 
a lot of virtual assistants out there are on a little bit of a higher plane than going back and forth with 500 emails and 10 phone calls about scheduling a phone call. Number one, there's better uses for delegating to a human being. Number two, uh, it removes the middleman, so you're not now subject to a human being's availability or perhaps some unannounced baggage about your prospective caller they haven't told you about or vice versa. And number three, it shows that you have organization in your life, that you're not saying, oh, just call me whenever. Oh, I got five minutes right this second uh, so you can talk my ear off. It's like, oh, you want to chat? Cool. Uh, here's my scheduling link. I think there might be something tomorrow. If not, I'm pretty sure there's something Thursday. So go ahead, put yourself in. I'll look for it and I'll look forward to our call. So I agree with that um, mostly. And I will say that yeah. people who are calling you are looking for, depending on the level of business that you're offering, a, a live person to answer and that right. displays the experience of your, your services, your product, like for you on your behalf. So if you're right. calling, if someone's calling your business and they could potentially be wasting your time for that hour that they book, there is a huge value in a five minute call that basically runs them through some questions. Yeah. And then they get to schedule through the gatekeeper. And let me tell you, it's very interesting because there's so many salespeople these days who will say, oh, I have a call scheduled, put me through. Or what's that calendar link again? Or what's that email? Oh, I think I misspelled it, right? Like there's every trick in the book. Uh -huh. so yet when you have some one, and this is not you because trust me, you will be more lenient than someone who's working for you ever will be. If yeah. someone is working for you and you're paying them as a contractor, guess what? They're going to have to adhere to your directions more yeah. so than like a salaried person, right? Because like their job is not, you know, insecure by whether or not they delivered on the last call. So sure. if you have someone who is on task for something, they're going to follow that that step-by-step -step set that you gave them. If there is an intake process, if there is a yeah. screening process, oh, like, I mean, we work with so many attorneys, for example, or IT firms, attorneys at practice areas. Oh, you're calling about personal injury and the person only does divorce, or you're calling about IT and they only do commercial, not residential, you know, new- Yeah. Um, yeah. phone setups, whatever, computer setups, you want to screen those people out. And guess what? You can refer them to businesses that build goodwill in your community or even- Correct. Right? Yeah, now, yeah now, we're, now, now we're getting into where I was headed next. I want to spend a little more time on delegation because I have a couple additional questions about that real quick. Yeah, but where, sure. I want to, where I want to go next is the intake process, which is where you're leading us. Uh, basically, you've already given us a preview of how to optimize your intake process. So thanks for giving people a little taste of what's coming <laughs> up. So, <laughs> all right, all right. Um, what sometimes folks struggle with delegation for a couple of reasons. Here are right. the ones that I've either experienced personally or I know people have experienced. Okay. In some cases, they have not yet establish the cash flow to afford it and it's not and this isn't like you know that poverty thinking it's like the money just ain't there yet that's number one so i wanted to so i want to emphasize that not everybody says they can't afford it is just unwilling to invest in themselves some of them legitimately just don't have the cash yet that's number one uh, another thing that we have happen is particularly when you're dealing with uh independent contractors and you're you know paying a service to render a firm rather than hiring a human being directly, which is the, the arrangement when people work with my companies, I like to remind them over and over again, uh, the, um, which is smart for any business creator to do, by the way. Uh, I, um, you're never really, if it, like let's say for example, you have 
let's say a digital marketing firm. This is a very common one. Mm -hmm. And you have yourself as the business creator slash owner, what have you, and the entrepreneur. And then you have different people who handle various aspects of it. So you have the people who uh, manage the, who do the web mastery work. You have the ones who facilitate all the email marketing. You have the people who put up the landing pages. You have the people who uh, argue with Facebook over ridiculous ad denials. And uh, I, excuse me, I mean the ad specialists. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, can't, the thing is, is because they're contractors, you can't really tell them what to do. You can set expectations uh, that they need to fulfill in order for their contract to continue, but you can't order them to do certain things like you can tell an employee what to do. I've been very careful about this in my own business for so many years. And when I've had clients that have tried to ask me questions like, you know, what are your office hours and things that are very employee type questions, I say, um, I'm happy to continue this conversation if you're going to pay my health and retirement benefits because you're treating me like an employee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the point I bring that, so where I bring that up is, and I know I'm being a little long winded here, but I'm really trying to surface some of the issues is when you're dealing with contractors, even when you're dealing with employees, they're probably, even if they love and feel bought in to what you're doing, they may not necessarily have that same sense of ownership that's going to make them care as much as you do. And the question I have for you in light of that is what happens when you legitimately don't have the money you need to get there? And what can we do to make people feel so enthusiastic about being, about having you as a client? Like if they're the virtual assistant or what have you, or they're the, whatever they're being contracted out to do, they're so excited and have such a sense of ownership in what you're doing that they will go to the same lengths you will. Well, uh, there's a lot. That's, low, that's loaded, but I'm trying, so, to, trying to cover the whole thing so we can get to intake here, Maddie. So, sure. I know, like putting that carrot in front of me. Yeah. Right? Um, so, all right, here, here's the thing. Um, a, don't sign really long-term contracts because if you don't have a ton of money, like what you do need to do is dip your toe in and make sure that you are getting, you know, the right responses quickly to your clients. Um, and it doesn't have to be super expensive. Like for Smith AI, you have a free chatbot option unlimited on your website, or you can yep. choose a plan that starts at $140 a month, right? It's going to be even cheaper for your readers who we've got a code for. So, I mean, listeners who we've got a code for. Okay. So here's the thing. Like you, you you are mitigating your risk by signing up for companies that don't lock you into a long-term contract that allow right. you to pay per call and to get a lot done during that call. So it frees you up because there is an opportunity cost of your time being spent on things that if it were just free, you could be building your business and working on growing your client base in ways that you cannot contract out because no one's going to sell the way that you can. Now right. there is a huge time suck to, having all these sort of productivity interruptions that calls and chats and texts and Facebook messages bring, right? So there's that. Um, there's also the fact that when you're on one of those conversations or calls that you are less likely to be strict with yourself and they will run longer than if a receptionist service was to do it for you. So then your cost even magnifies, right? Because it's even more time than you would have spent for that call. Now, on a, on a side of sense of ownership, um, you know, how much are they caring? I would say your prerogative is to have them follow clear directions about what the end goal is. 
who do you serve and how do we ask the right questions to steer them and get them there? Are they friendly? Are they responding and representing your business and spelling your, you know, pronouncing your name right and spelling the name right of the caller who read it? Great. Now, here's the thing. If they're not doing their job um, and they don't have a, a delivery that is responsive and accurate and efficient, then there is a problem and you're not getting great value for your money. So that's why Smith AI exists actually, because we've got these really talented um, hospitality background, customer service background professionals who use our, our software to work from home, which gives them the information they need accurately, quickly, you know, on the chat side, we're sort of like steering them towards the right answers that they can give. And, and that allows them to operate in a way that takes the onus of that decision-making off their plate so that they're not scripted, but they have the answers at their fingertips in a really accessible way. And what that means is they can tap into that human sort of element of sensitivity and kindness when you're not worried about what's the next thing for me to say here or where did I lose my place in this script, but instead, oh, you're contacting this business because to use the you know, financial uh, advisor example, you know, someone needs real financial advice, that could be a stressful time, right? Um, how do you match sentiment because that gives you a sense of connection to your business that's so important in addition to ownership that doesn't mean you have to be the business owner or a stakeholder beyond just a contractor, but just being able to be sort of aware and present in that situation is something that someone like our receptionist can do. And to me, there's a ton of value there when we look at the, the combination of technology and humans and not completely going over to the, the tech side, you know, still having that human element, even if right. the element is not you. Yeah, I think that's a lot of great thoughts. And I had a web design firm like 10 years ago, and this was a business that I fully leveraged because I'm not a web designer. I cannot draw a roller with a straight line. I can't even get that analogy right. Uh, and we would get a lot of projects, and I knew they were test projects. It was somebody deciding if they wanted to go long-term with us, so mm -hmm. they gave us some project. I could tell by the description that they pretty much just made it up because they wanted to see how what it was like to work with us, so I played along. But I recognize, I recognize the tactic and I respected it, that there are companies out there that are willing to spend a small amount of, of money to do a test project with somebody to see how things work out, to get a sense in real time of how they work with a person. And for that to be really effective, in my opinion, and I had a lot of respect when people did this, is you don't tell them this is a test project. You pretend it's just like any other project. Because if it's a test project, you may not see how they naturally behave. And whether that's good or bad, that what you're ultimately deciding is, is this somebody I'd like to work with in the long haul? So I need to get a real world, undiluted taste of what this is like. Well, here's the beauty of, you know, a phone call, text, or web chat. It, it, it's, not a, it's not a project. It happens yeah. very quickly. It happens in seconds or minutes. It doesn't happen in, in, in hours even, right? It happens yeah. instantly. So the testing period is very fast, and you easily gather data and see whether or not the, the proof is in the pudding. Precisely. Precisely. I think we're at this time about ready to move on to uh, 
this intake thing. And this is something where I have a lot of passion as well. You got us started with the idea of the pre-screening call. And you gave examples such as if somebody's calling a law firm and they need help with a divorce, but it's a personal injury firm, that you don't want that getting to the attorney because that's not a good lead. And at the same time, you may have a referral relationship with a divorce attorney that you can refer them to. So that's two, So you're not only saving the the original attorney's time, you're creating an opportunity for synergy with another attorney. That's one example you gave. Or if uh, somebody, let's say, for example, you gave another one. The IT one, firm, right. The IT firm. Residential. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because commercial versus residential are two very different things. Don't yep. be fooled. Uh, so we're starting with this initial intake call. So basically what I'm going to do at this point is turn you loose for a bit and just tell us about how we leverage our intake processes with your formula. Right. I mean, the formula is pretty darn simple. First of all, yeah. you need to capture the contact information because yeah. that's the number one thing, right? I mean, and we know this and the perfect example is website chat, right? Like uh -huh. if you're on the phone, sure, you already have the incoming number, no brainer. But if you're on a website and it's not two-way communication, you can't call someone back if they visited your website, right? Like, yeah. What you don't want to have is a whole bunch of noise coming from chat where you never contacted the person's information. You never, you never captured the person's information. Right. So what we've done is we say, you know what? There is not even intake until there's not even a conversation until you acknowledge and you say who you are. And that's how it is on the phone. And that's how it should be. And that's how it is on a text. And that's how it should yeah. be through your website as well. So you have to put in your name and email or optionally name, email, and phone number to even start a website chat. Why? Because it's gonna create noise in your business and you wanna make sure that it is as qualified noise as it can be, right? So then you've got this call coming in. Let's go back to the phone. And the person says, oh, you know, I heard about your firm from so-and-so, brilliant referral. They probably know a little bit about you already. Like the intake's not going to be so difficult. They're probably sort of pre-qualified by the person who sent them over. That's the best case scenario. Then we've got like the people who are searching online or they read an article or they were on Facebook and they think they read something. And then they may have a whole range of uh, a clue about what you do. Maybe they're accurate. Maybe they're not. Maybe they think all lawyers do all practice areas. Maybe they think all IT people will come and fix your iPhone screen. I don't know. That is not the case though, right? Yeah. So what we know is that intake and screening is in their best interest. And I think that the challenge is if you think that intake is unkind or intake is too formulaic to be a good fit for your specialty small business, then you end up shooting yourself in the foot because it's actually yeah. in the best interest of that potential client to not waste time with you on the phone. I mean, they don't yeah. want to be in contact with a business that's not going to end up serving them at the end of the day. And to make a referral, by the way, in that personal injury divorce example, um, what's a great thing that happens is that you have the opportunity to say, by the way, you know, not just here's the referral, but we, our firm focuses on personal injury. So if you ever are in a situation, you know, where you need our help, we are taking new clients and, and you can contact us. Boom. You've just built in the opportunity for a future client, right? Precisely. That's not always the opportunity there because it may not be that you're 
firm is ever going to be a good fit. But guess what? That person has a community and a network of their own. So if you don't use the opportunity, intake good or bad, qualified or unqualified, to still explain what you do and build your brand and be kind and helpful, then that lead who you paid for in some way, shape or another to contact you has been wasted. So I always say like, don't waste that opportunity. Don't just hand people off and shut them down. And if they're not a good fit, then screen them out. That's not what intake is about. It's about making sure that no matter where they fit in like the tree branch that they go down, that the treatment is equally kind and helpful. It's just whether or not they're going to end up being a client for you right now. So you need to think about a couple things. One, who are the clients who you really want to attract? How big is the funnel that's coming in and how targeted already? Um, and then what's your capacity for new business? Do you have so many clients and so much demand that you can be very picky? You could even charge for a consultation. Or are you looking for building your business as much as you possibly can and you're pretty lenient and you want to, you know, really pretty much work with anyone who, who will, um, you know, support your brand new business? That is a completely different funnel. You yeah. should also look at, and this is the last thing that I'll say before I give myself a little breather break. <laughs> I, I, know, I, I can talk. Um, I like it. We um, see that exit interviews are also, if you're in a client services business, right? Um, you may also, we we're talking about marketing agencies, like you, you may also find it very beneficial to have exit interviews where you determine, is that a client that was happy, that you were happy working with, that you would want to hire again? And how does that create this loop yeah in your business for refining your new client funnel and making sure that the questions that you ask steer them in the right direction and not just questions, but also information. People don't know the specifics of your business, how long things are going to take, how much they could cost and the variable costs. And it's up to you to lay it out there so that expectations are set early on and that everyone is coming into the decision to, you know, with about the same amount of information that they need to make a good decision. Yeah. I want to tell a short story and then tell you how I handled it. And I want to get your thoughts on this. And this goes back, oh my goodness, 15 years. So I'm telling an old story. And I'm going back to when I used to own that web design and development firm because that's the only actual service business I've ever owned. And that's kind of where we are in this conversation, at least at the moment, although we are also speaking about professionals like attorneys and accountants and things like that. So in order to have a conversation with me about potentially working with my firm, it was necessary to fill out, uh, it was necessary to fill out an initial information form. I can't remember the technical name I gave it, but they had to go to a web page and fill out a form. And it was kind of long, uh, not excessively so, but I got into great detail with them. For example, I would ask questions like, uh, uh, who, is your, you know, who is your website host? Who is your email marketing provider? Approximately how big is your list? Uh, you don't have to tell me the exact number. Just tell me the one you wish it was, that sort of thing. And uh, then I would have fields like, uh, you know, if you could please describe the project you're looking for or you know, tell us what your short, medium, and long-term range goals are. So nothing too arduous. But the idea was, is when we got to the point of having a conversation, I wanted to get right into the conversation. I didn't want to have to do all this getting to know you stuff. There was also a built-in test because we discovered that if we were working with clients, it wouldn't answer basic questions 
-hmm. that um, they would be very difficult to work with. Like we actually had a client once where, I mean, remember, this is a web firm. So we were doing web mastery work and we said, what's the name of your, and this is after they were working with us. It was very early on. So what's the name of the hosting company work? We said, why, what do you need that for? (laughs) <laughs> okay and then, then we had another case where uh and i discovered and i discovered this was an automatic disqualifier whether you're a prospective client or a current client if you ever ever use the phrase with me or with any of my team if you ever use the phrase that doesn't concern you you're instantly fired oh yeah because we, cause we, cause we because we could because we had because we had a role uh-huh. that anything that we asked for, we considered relevant, no matter what it was. And, and if that's you, a trust thing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, if, that, I mean, if, that, if that's where, if that's where we are, if we're asking, it concerns 100%. us because we don't have time to go through all this. And another thing is when people would want to go through 19 levels of verification for a simple login for something like their WordPress site. Like uh, you either trust us to manage this or you don't. All right, so let's get off that tangent and let's get back to this application form. Okay, so most of my I'm not. Oh, I'm, I I have to finish my story, and I'm, oh, I, yes. promise, I promise to be quick. I, no. So yeah, so my <laughs> business at the time was largely driven by referrals, mm-hmm. and every right. once in a while, I would get somebody who was referred to us who would say, "Oh, I'm I'm a referral, I, and and I'm a friend of so and so. I don't need to fill out your form." It's like, okay, we don't need to work with us. Oh, either. didn't they tell you about me already? Right. And that sort, that sort of thing. That right. sort of thing. Um, and I learned that the hard way because I had somebody who, in filling out the form, complained about having to do so. And then when I reluctantly agreed to speak with them because they were so-and-so's client that was referring them to me, they led with a 10-minute diatribe about these forms. And I should have just hung up the phone, basically, because they turned out to be a galactic pain-in-the-ass client. This is the one where, and I've told this story on business creators radio show before i'm telling this because this is actually funny where she got alarmed that her website that had gone live the day before wasn't number one on google (laughs) and uh i had to as gently as possible explain that a 500 dollars landing page installation doesn't come with a detailed search engine optimization strategy, number one. And number two, her own name wasn't. (laughs) All right. So this one actually goes one step further is uh, when hosting her domain to put up the website, uh, I mean, this was a simple landing page. It took like, I mean, I mean, this is back during the days of HTML. We built it on test servers and then activated and then put it live so that it would be like instantly there. But you know how DNS works is it has to go all the way up to the backbone and come all the way back down to individual people's connections. And that happens asynchronously. And that's why they say it can take up to 72 hours for a DNS change. Mm-hmm. And she could not believe that she had entered her DNS servers and 45 minutes later, she had sent the link to somebody and they said, it's not live yet. And just the nature of her questions, I said, what would you, what would you like us to do? Would you like us to call the uh, internet service providers? Would you like us to call the search engines? Would you like us to contact the, the high level top secret clearance government people who manage the backbone to and, and then would you like us to mount a campaign to individual homeowners with modems? Oh, go tell up them to the reset, and turn, to reset, the, turn the bat signal right, on. Right, right, yeah. to reset their modems. Exactly. And she, right. said, and she said, I'm surprised you weren't already working on this. And she was <laughs> actually serious. So this is where screening comes in. So 
Yes. I love also the scope of work and the statement of how you operate as a firm. It's sort of your rules and and way of doing business. It's almost commandments, right? And and I'm seeing this more and more with folks who are sick and tired of being asked for free advice and not paying, right? They're sick and tired of having their time wasted and feeling taken for granted. And -and so-and-so is a friend of a friend of a friend. And it's like, at what point do you just say, you have to pay me? I'm sorry, right? But no one likes confrontation. So what happens? We need a document, right? Yeah. We need screening because let's put a little bit of distance between like the confrontation of the, the face to face, right? But yeah. what also is super important, and I see this all the time, is that people believe that contractors are going to read minds and do work without any involvement. And the fact is, yeah, your management time is probably going to go down by 80, 85%. But yeah. the remaining like 15, 20% is required to monitor that the work is being done correctly for Uh, your firm because guess what you're the business owner right it's not the fact that like you can hand it off and they're going to read minds and and treat your business the way that somehow they're magically known to treat it you know they're, they're not you and there is a training period and then there is a monitoring period that uh-huh where they where they manage wow. that for you right and that wow. is so key Wow. Um, You know, this is a good time for me to point out for any new listeners of Business Creators Radio, for you, Maddie, and for our existing listeners, that we're not a typical Q&A type show. I mean, we go by the questions that you as a guest or your agent gave to us uh, to ask you, and we're going to get through most of those. In fact, we've already gone through most of them. But I, the, li- the goal of the Business Creators Radio show is for the listener to feel like they're sitting at a table at a, at a private mastermind conversation and you notice how even though it feels like we're rambling and telling stories and going off on tangents what's happening is you know i start to say something and then i it reminds me of a story and oh oh oh, then and then this other person uh, was a complete doofus and then you jump in and take me somewhere that i wasn't even thinking of going that adds additional brilliance to this because that's how masterminding works that's why we have an hour-long format and that's why we do all this storytelling and this stuff that to some people feels like rambling and i've only had a couple complaints like that but to them i say you have to understand these are mastermind conversations. These are not interviews. Or you miss the point because there is a connection here and that's why I brought it up. That's why you told your story. Why are we talking about intake and contractors and complaints yeah. and missed expectations? Uh-huh. There's a huge missed expectation here that like you, what do we start the conversation off with? I don't have the money to, or it's too yeah. expensive, or I don't value your services enough. You know what? As soon as you go, and we see this all the time, I'm sure you had clients who tried to work with another firm. They did their little test with you and five other firms. And they're like, oh, yep. we're going to go with so-and-so. And guess what? Six months later, they come back to you because they're like, yep. oh, all that beginning stuff was hocus pocus with this other firm. And actually, when we get into the meat of it, you gave us such better service in the ongoing yep. day-to-day treatment. And you make our management lives easier. And That's called long game. Pay for Exactly. There are yep. reasons why agencies and contractors cost a little bit more on an hourly basis than a salaried person because yep. guess what? There's the tax component and there's the management built in. If I yep. go and hire a sales agency rather than a salesperson, I'm hiring a salesperson and a management agency and someone who's going to crack the whip for the salesperson. And I don't have to crack that whip. Guess what? That frees me up to do something else. So it's yep. really important that like 
But at the same time, I'm paying the bill and I have to be on the weekly call that says, did we produce results or not? And that's where that other 10 to 15% of management yeah. comes. You have to be a good, responsible steward of your, of your money, but also of your time and know what can you hand off versus what are you just not comfortable handing off? Uh-huh. Sell ourselves these, these lies all the time that like, oh, only I can do it. Or that person requires 40 hours of training in order to do something. And it's like, Oh, really? What's the risk if they only had five hours of training, right? So you have to confront those assumptions that could be very well and often do hold your business back. I see that way more often. The harm to the business happens because of a lack of delegation than due to mistakes through the delegated party. And that is so important. That's like number one issue that I see probably. Uh Uh-huh. Not getting started. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm chomping at the bit here. All right. So uh, I have found without doing any spreadsheets or statistical evidence that it is actually much more, much more cost effective to deal with the occasional F up or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I could say the other word. I could say fuck up. Oh, I just did. Uh, it's, it, you, you could. That's another thing about Business Creators Radio Show. It has a bit of a reputation that I will drop at least one bomb somewhere during the episode. We have listeners who actually tune in just to wait for it. Oh, uh, you didn't because... tell me that. I could have. I could have been. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to put that aside. Anyway, back to the point here because we are getting close to the hour here, and there's <laughs> one more thing I want to get out, get out of this conversation. Okay. Is um. You know, uh, statistically, without having done any spreadsheets, it's better off to absorb that happening once in a while than to deal with approval processes. Because what happens is if everything has to be approved, it typically ends up in a queue. And just the fact that somebody wants to approve anything, everything before it goes out is usually an indicator of issues with delegation and trust. So... In my consulting practice, and this is not something I advertise, this is something where I cherry pick it, where I come to you and say, how about it? You don't get to ask me if I would be willing to do it. So just to be clear, but I do 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 some of this because it is a very personal thing. And I have to already feel a strong personal connection and belief in what they're doing before I'll even consider this with them. So, you know, it's not something you can just get off the transom is I do some ghostwriting and that can include articles, emails, uh, you know, tire campaigns. In one case, I, uh, you know, ghost writ a 42 page special report that that client five years later is still farming for content well anyway i have a role when it comes to me doing this ghost writing stuff uh when we get started for the first 30 days let's maddie let's say you were the client for the mm-hmm. first 30 days you will review everything i write before it goes out you will review it and get back to me with detailed feedback and edits the same same day I send it to you. No exceptions. Same day I send it to you because I'm not waiting on you. Um, If you do not get back to me on a same day basis, I will send it anyway. So that gives you some incentive to be proactive in this. And the reason I want your fast feedback and detailed feedback for that first 30 days is I need to master your voice as if I'm speaking it myself. Then after 30 days, you don't approve anything. It just goes out. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, and I, and I, and I have found that I've had clients where I've been doing this for 12, 13, 14 years. So the system works. And I had to use this as leverage once because I was in a situation where 
that wasn't the original nature of our work, but it just sort of evolved. And I did have all those good feelings about the person, but it would get, it would just get stuck in their approval queue. And then three days later, they would just send back a whole bunch of stuff that had been built up in their queue and they'd say, I don't like any of it. Try again. I'd say, no. No, I won't try it again because well, the because because, because we, we, you we have, this policy and there's your right. Sister. That's kind of why I designed the policy actually, um, and I found yeah. that in the few times I've had to implement it since then, it's worked great. I that had been de facto how it was working, but uh, but that's yeah. But then I, I codified after this. I said no, I'll do absolutely no such thing because I have clients who are excited to have me work autonomously. If you want me involved in this aspect of the business, I need to be able to speak your voice through my mouth as if I'm you. I cannot do that without you explaining to me how that works in close right. contact for 30 days. So, do, so the question is, yep. do you want to delegate this or not? And oh yeah, sure, I want to delegate it. And we reset it and we agreed to the terms that I just described to you. And I found that that works very effectively. And I think that's also a screening tool too, because if I were to explain that to a prospective client for this and they said, oh no, that's absolutely not going to happen, then we already know it's not going to be a good fit. Maybe because they have delegation issues in that, in that regard, maybe because they have legal issues, like maybe they have to deal with regulatory compliance or something like that. I'm not going to sit around and wait three months for some pencil neck who doesn't even know marketing to uh, get back and say, oh, this is all, this is all out of compliance. Forget it. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm, about, I'm about massive action, getting things done. Yes. Did you say massive action? That's an awesome phrase. Yeah. I think... Yeah. I, I think that there's one thing that I just want to go back to, and this is really important, that when you're doing the intake initially, and then you've got this project brief, like there is sort of a sign-off period at some point between those two things. Because like yeah. what, you, what you're describing is, as intake, and the intake form is almost like a project brief, full-on sort of give us you know the full scope of what you're working with. And you can do pre-screening before that. You can say, what's your budget? And, and how soon do you need this? How urgent is it? What is your goal connected with it? I mean, have they even defined that, right? Like, right. that's a great question to ask a client because if they can't define that or if they choose the other, I don't know, that tells you a whole lot about how it's going to be to work with them. And maybe they need your steering and direction and they'll take it. Or maybe they will be shifting the target all the time because they don't know. And those are two totally different beasts that you have to figure out before you even allow them to invest the time in that brief, right? In, yeah. that, in that full intake. Um, and, and there's a lot of applications for different types of businesses for that, right? Um, now, what ends up happening though is that you have this relationship and before you engage, before you say, yes, you're going to pay this money, it's are you going to allow me to be good at my job and ask you what I need to be successful and give me what I need to be successful, right? Like it may not be a pen and paper, but it is the equivalent. If they tie one hand behind your back because you can't use your voice that you're known for, that you're compensated for, your expertise that is the reason to hire you, then it's not a good fit and they should go find someone who um, yeah. is a better match for their style of delegation and 
and the work that they need to be produced. Because um, if you're hiring someone who has your level of expertise and you're going to write in that way, then the client needs to automatically come in trusting that you are the expert and you'll steer them correctly. Uh, otherwise, it's a, it's a waste of everyone's time and money. Yeah. Um and when I had to, had to have that heart-to-heart -heart conversation with the client who held things up in review and then just sent it all back and said, I don't like it. You have to show me something else and keep showing me stuff until you figure out what I like. And I said, I'll do no such thing. I also pointed out to that person that uh, I was in a place once where I had a few projects that were in full swing at the same time. So within the same day, I would be ghostwriting and voicing a business success coach who was a former NFL cheerleader, uh, the founder of the modern seduction industry, and a functional medicine doc, <laughs> all in one day, mm -hmm. and I had all and I had all their voices. Right. Well, so that's so the process works. So that goes back. So to me, that goes back to when you're having these conversations that lead to sales, being prepared to explain in real time how your process works and how it benefits the end consumer. And I was, and I was balancing those three widely dis dis disparate personalities, all wonderful people, all good friends of mine to this day. One of them still an active client and probably will be until the end of time. I, uh, I never once got confused who I was pretending to be. But here's the problem, Adam. Not everyone operates as you do, right? Yeah. So a portfolio, a proof before an agreement is important. And, and you know, it's sort of like this is the audience that is, you know, very strong in their skill set. But for the consumer, for the end user, you know, it it is very hard sometimes to suss out, is this person being real do they do they really deliver what they say they can and frankly not everyone delivers in the way that you may right so there's a balance i mean there's sort of an understanding and and um you know consideration for people who maybe don't have your level of experience and you say trust me i can do it well you know trust but verify well trust me here's trust the but verify exactly here's the proof oh of those great those great points. words from ronald reagan i love it <laughs> well, it's a good statement regardless of who said it. I mean, it is important that we have these proof indicators and, and the examples that we can do it and look at what we did for someone else that approximates what we can do for you and how happy yeah. they are, right? That's Precisely. what reviews do. So I think that, you know, you can elevate yourself well above the rest of the market by being professional and having those reviews, having a portfolio, having your, your star rating, your work product, your awards, whatever it is in your industry, so that you come in really strong and, and with high expectations and you say, great, I'm so glad that you want to work with me. This is how I work. I'm laying it out up front because yeah. in order for me to execute at that level that gets me those five stars, this is how it has to work, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I mean, look at what we've covered here. We've covered the intake process. We've covered how to schedule conversations with people. We've scheduled, we've covered how to use automation through um, chatbots, artificial intelligence conversations, and people handling, human beings handling live chats, which is part of what your company does. And okay. we've, I mean, we've pretty much gone through more or less a great outline for people. They can take this 
entire conversation and use it to compare to what they're doing now and hopefully some of the insights that you and I have shared may open some doors for them, may give them some great ideas on how they can optimize what they're already doing. And if they heard some of our cautionary tales or war stories of the of the dreadful battles and they're nodding their heads saying uh-huh 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 been there done that well hopefully something that you and i shared today will help them find a new direction that will bring them to a different plateau and make yeah. the greener grass on their side of the fence absolutely yeah right. it's a lot easier than it's not intimidating you know just just make that change I wish we could go for two hours, but our syndicators only allow us one, and we are at the top of said hour. So what I'd like to do is give you the floor for a moment for those who are listening right now and are leaning in and are thinking, how can I begin to optimize my intake process? How can I begin to do more things that will give me clear and concise communication and translate that to sales? Uh, when they reach out to you, how do they do that? Uh, and what can they have to look forward to? Right. So they can reach us at smith.ai, which is our website. You can call our phone, which is on our website, also yep. 650-727-6484. You can text us at that same number and you can use code BC uh, or B creators. So the letter B creators yep. 100 for a hundred dollars off your first month of service, which is in addition to our 20 call, 20 chat free trial. And we would be thrilled to show you what we can do to help you hand off important communications on the front line, be your yeah. or block spam and all of this good deep mm -hmm. stuff we got into, including intake, screening, scheduling, and payments. Yeah. So get in touch with us. We'd love to show you what we can do. Real quick, uh, because this has been coming up a lot for people, and I've had some unfortunate experiences with it as well. We see these chatbots um, where the, you know, they have these pre-scripted conversations. And I'm, I was actually trying to use the chatbot of one of the company that helps you set up chatbots because mm -hmm. I was trying to get technical support because their documentation wasn't matching their mm -hmm. interface. And when I tried to integrate with their chatbot, it kept trying to get me to buy tickets to their events. Oh gosh, that's annoying. yeah. So yeah, that being so that being said, so that being said, um, the reason no. I'm bringing that up, and I know we're time limited here, is I just want to emphasize that, as I understand Smith.ai, mm -hmm. you can have website chat and you can have a real person behind that, and your offer is giving them a hundred dollars off their first month, which is a great deal, by the way. In when addition I, when to I, twenty I, free chats, in yeah. addition to the twenty free chats, so just to try it to begin with. Up to 20 people can visit the person's website and they can get 20 chats. Oh, 20 so chats post including their name and email and phone number, right? So these are 20 chats that are like 20, 20 leads. These are 20 legitimate, yeah, you're getting yeah. your name, email, and phone. I mean, that is worth. I mean, one le legitimate chat should pay for itself for a year, right? I mean, yeah, let, yeah, five let, to seven dollars per chat. Yeah. Let me let, let me put, let me put it this way: all that stuff we discussed about the intake screening call done. Exactly. You get a lead, it's a warm lead because there's already a conversation and it's a qualified yep. lead because they've already passed the initial screening. Listen, that, I mean, if, I mean, you, I mean, you could close one of those deals. You paid can, for this for the year. We can close it for you, right? There's chat to call. There's like, you know, web form to call. We can follow up outbound for all these people who you capture information from. Yep. So we're just scratching the surface here. All right, smith.ai, visit the website, and when you invest, you use the code BCREATORS100. That's right.
Okay, I wanted to say that real slow because I imagine there's a few people listening right now who are writing that down. All right, so, um, so Maddie Martin, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education, believe me. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks for having me. All right. For everybody listening, we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.